0: hey guys you're at 109 right now so i'm gonna try to um retell this story a minute ago i was sitting in my living room and i was just going over these images that were in my mind i had dialogue i had the scenes i had everything it was so clear what this movie um was going to be and i'm now going to now I'm in my bedroom recording this, and I'm going to try to relay those ideas. I'm trying to uh, retell those ideas and also continue the idea, the ideas right here as you're listening. So you are listening to a screenplay um, that I'm working on that just came to me. Like, all right, here's how it's going to unfold, and I'm going to do my best to, you know, tell it how I just, you know, envisioned it. Um, ...and tell even more. So this is the story... ...of... ...Don Quixote. Don Quixote de la Mancha. So I have to give you some... ...like, just... ...I have to set it up because... ...I... ...I grabbed my... ...middle school textbook. I still have it, right? My middle school Spanish textbook and I was thumbing through the pages... And I did something that I hadn't done, which is I went to one of the... What is it? One of the the last chapters, chapter 20. You dig? Like when I was in school, I probably studied like maybe eight chapters, probably less than that, you know, during the school semester, during the school year. I definitely did not complete the book, but I still have the book. I held on to the book because like learning takes place like lifelong it's it's lifelong right they give us these textbooks and like in my case i kept them and just keep referring back to them and it's amazing how what you see at one point in your life you can reference you know years many years later um because you're like you never forget anything that the mind is a sponge every experience that you have everything that you listen to everything you you become it. it it becomes you it makes for your experience i don't know what i'm saying here it's just that i remember things in this book that's what i'm saying and then um i mean it's a shame that i didn't continue it's a shame that i didn't complete this book that would have been an amazing accomplishment But I guess if you complete a book, then you should always keep it so you can always refer to it. I don't know. I don't know. And I think something in modern society is lost. If students don't keep books and refer to them and look at them, we're just so consumed with these computers, these, uh, so these smartphones, I mean, I can, this is a, a tangent that I'm going on. Of course, um, I do digress. But I see it in the classrooms like students aren't even grabbing books or notebooks to write. They're just on their smartphones scrolling. It's it's sad, really, from my perspective, my opinion. But anyway, let's continue. So I grabbed my old textbook and I turned to chapter 20 and it's Don Quixote de la Mancha. I went to Spain. I stayed in Madrid. I stayed on the street where I think Don Quixote lived, or at least the name of the street was Don Quixote um no i think don quixote lived on that street there was a home with a plaque outside it said don quixote lived here i think i think that's the correct memory that i have anyhow so i started reading to brush up on my spanish because i'm like hey this is a pretty good little activity this is something that i do i try to brush up on my um you know things brush up on my skills espanol es uh, un como se dice skill habilidad maybe quizás anyway so I'm looking through it and I'm picking up and I'm like wow I know I, I understand a lot of the Spanish these questions they were daunting at one time when I was a kid but now today I'm like man I breeze through all of this right it's good there's progress being made cool I'm still not fluent you know I stumble over things to say I still don't know some like rudimentary principles but it is what it is so I'm reading it and I'm like hey this is Don Quixote and then I turn a couple of pages. There are some, some great activities that I want to um, borrow, that I want to, um, what is it, copy? I want to extract and use in the classroom. I'm a substitute teacher, by the way. And I'm looking at this activity like, yo, I could do that in the classroom for sure. Anyhow, so I'm, I'm scrolling through these pages, and then I decide to read. I come across the story. There's a section called Lectura Cultural. Uh, cultural um, lecture and then it's the story of Don Quixote and as I'm reading it I realize that like my life like mirrors you know Don Quixote's in the sense that Don Quixote was in search of adventures and I can identify with that I remember when my life was extremely boring and I was a kid and I was searching for an adventure and and I found it when I was younger um But my life certainly, you know, escalated like the the adventures that I have now as of today. They're so numerous, but they weren't of like my planning. Certainly in life, I desired for these adventures, but I didn't plan to have them per se. Like I've been to 40 countries, but there was a a period. There was a 10 year period um, during which I could have traveled, but I didn't. And after basically that that almost 10 years, almost a decade passed that I realized, hey, I lost too much time. I really need to step it up a notch and, and start traveling that I actually did start traveling. I don't know. And I'm talking about when I lived in saudi arabia i was earning more money i had the ability to travel to access uh europe asia and africa pretty much pretty cheaply for about five hundred dollars you could fly anywhere um which is great because as i'm looking at the prices of flights from los angeles anywhere five hundred dollars won't get you very far i'm like jeez man you gotta pay like a thousand dollars to leave america like this is ridiculous And that's kind of how I felt when I was in Korea. I was like, man, to get anywhere, you have to pay like $1,000. I don't want to do that. Especially when it costs $1,200 to get back home. So I would often go back home because it was like, "Eh, if I'm going to spend anything, I might as well go home. You know, mom and dad were always saying, come home, come home. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do that. It was the easiest, laziest thing I could do rather than challenge myself. But I really needed the challenge. Anyhow. Really needed the challenge, really needed the, um, adventure. But so I'm reading, um, Don Quixote and I'm like, uh, dang, this is interesting because my story is a lot like it. I'm already seven minutes into this podcast and I told you I was going to tell a story. I was going to give you my, um, screenplay. I've only got like 23 minutes left and I haven't even started the screenplay. I'm just giving you setting the stage or setting the scene for what has led to or precipitated this, um, This uh, podcast, and I still haven't even completed it. Eight minutes in, jeez! All right, there's so much to say, so many things. Let's see if I can finish it up and and then get to the next section, segment of the of the story. All right, so I'm looking at the book, at the Spanish book, reading Don Quixote's story, and then I realize, hey, Don Quixote is me, and then uh, Sancho Panza is someone I met on my journey, a real person. And he probably won't hear this podcast So I'll just, you know, I'll refer to him um, And his name But it's not a good characterization So, I mean, he'd probably be like Oh, you know, we get you Larry for for, for calling me that I would hope that he would appreciate it Like, oh, that's nice of you to think of me But anyway, so I'm thinking of uh, Dr. Saad Dr. Saad is a interesting man and, and, and given that it's 20 years after the Iraq war, uh, I think it's appropriate you know that I bring him you know into this because Dr. Saad is an Iraqi and he was actually tortured, I guess during the years of the Iraq war and he's uh, uh, quite an interesting intriguing um, person to have for, for me to have met you know on my life's journey. He's doing fine. he's alive and well and, um, and working in Oman. That's where I met him in Oman. We were neighbors. We were neighbors. But anyway, um, the reason why I I think that Dr. Saad matches the characterization of this, of one Sancho Panza, is because Sancho Panza is a short, fat man. (laughs) Short, fat dude. And I mean, Dr. Saad was, you know, rotund. Not a huge man. No, he's an older gentleman, so he's got a, he's got a little belly on him. Okay, um, short. Absolutely short by you know maybe Western standards. So that characterization actually matches. You know, short and fat. <laughs> Doctor Saad wouldn't like that. But much respect um, to Doctor Saad. I just looked at it like, man, this kind of fits the story because the story is like. Don Quixote has this wild imagination and he had Sancho who was there with him to like for support and essentially that's exactly what happened to me I was in the desert I saw something I imagined it to be greater than what it may appear to anyone else but my imagination was very vivid and very alive Dr. Saad was there I told him what I had seen and, and et cetera. And he was there and he was, you know, you know, sort of comforting, like, Yes, Larry, I'm listening to you. Yes, sure. You know, no, you're not crazy, you know. <laughs> like a Sancho Panza, I, I imagined him to be. And um yeah. Now I'm certainly not that tall. I'm five nine. So I can't, you know, fall into this, you know, oh, I'm this big tall dude. But I mean, basically, um Don Quixote was taller than sancho panza and uh i think i'm tall i think i am taller than dr Saad. but anyhow all i'm saying is that the story of don quixote is my story now for the story that i'm going to tell you my screenplay that i'm going to relay to you it's a retelling of the story of don quixote from my perspective from my experience all right so that's it so with no further ado it's been 11 almost 12 minutes into this y'all Thank you for sticking with me and hearing me out. We're going to get into the story of Don Quixote, uh, the Prince John version. All right? You're at 109 right now. You're at 109 right now. All right, guys, so here we go. So the story of Don Quixote, the Crenshaw and Slauson, um version. And first we see Crenshaw setting. The setting is Crenshaw, 2023. The camera is showing you a car's view driving down the, the street driving down crenshaw we see the crenshaw and the slawson um street names narration this story see okay i have to stop already because i had the inspiration i don't even it, it i guess it's I, i'm nervous so i can't even like tell you like ah uh, i mean i had the ideas like 12 minutes ago when it, it all just came to me i guess i just have to relax relax and let it flow so whatever all right okay setting Crenshaw and Slauson modern-day narration the story begins on the mean streets of Crenshaw here at the famous intersection of Crenshaw and Slauson these are the streets of Los Angeles these are the mean streets of Los Angeles. In particular, this section of Los Angeles is home to the notorious Roland 60s gang. And then you go into the cut to a montage of um, Los Angeles news reports and, you know, the typical news reports, uh, pictures of gang members, so forth, and so forth, crip, crip gang members from In the 60s to to visually give you the idea, right? This story, okay. The narration continues. This story is about this street. You get you see a shot of the sign 60th Street. The story is about one man. And I guess you show the picture of Crete Academy's um, mural of Nipsey Hussle. One man and his interpretation of events. Excuse me. When I say his interpretation of events, the next image is of the cross at Crete Academy on the side of the building. So first it's Nipsey Hussle, then it's the cross. And then um, the narration continues. Let's see, one man and his interpretation of events um, that sprang forth from his imagination. And that's the end of the narration, I suppose. And when it comes to, when I say imagination, then the final shot is of um, the address at 6109, right? The apartment building next to the Creed Academy. So, in the first few shots, we get Nipsey Hussle's image, we get the cross, and we get a shot of the address, 6109. That sets the stage for all of the movie, okay? That's what the movie is about. These three things, okay? Then we cut to um, the narration and the images, I guess, continue from from Crenshaw and Los Angeles from Crenshaw's Lawson. The narration continues. This is my story. I'm Larry, and I was born, or I was raised away from Crenshaw's Lawson. So now we cut to. Um, I guess a drone shot flying from Crenshaw Lawson over to, you know, where I grew up in Baldwin Hills to get a change of scenery and then we're getting it, it goes, all right, we got this little, excuse me, got a message there, all right, so, A drone shot from Crenshaw Sloshen over the Baldwin Hills. All right. Then the next thing we get is. uh, Now I'm speaking in the first person. And I'm saying I'm Larry. And although there's too much history for me to retell. um, You know too much history that occurred before this before my story begins there's too much for me to retell so I'm just gonna start here and tell you you know a little bit about who I am for starters I'm Larry and Kathleen's son cut to an image of my mom and dad my mom and dad um, graduated from UCLA and they married two college educated uh, black americans um all right this is my description of my mother and father this is that continues the narration my mother and father were two black american college educated um two college educated black americans who wanted the best for their children for their son and daughter my sister and i Were sent to, or to that end, my sister and I were sent to uh, private schools to be educated. Cut to um, images of private school classrooms, and okay, here's where the comedic, here's where uh, comic relief comes in. So, um, I guess I would say something like, um, I, from a very young age, my imagination was already stoked. Um, And I certainly, um, you know, I certainly knew how to keep it real. That's what I want to say about, you know, my my upbringing. You know, my imagination was vivid, but I certainly knew how to keep it real. To that end, there's a scene. This really happened. I was in class in preschool. The teacher asked the class. So, boys and girls, uh, what are little boys made of? Because I guess they were going, what are little boys and girls made of? And I think they were, she was going along up the lines of the, the nursery rhyme, sugar and sugar and spice and everything nice for girls, you know, and whatever. I don't remember all that stuff. So then it goes to, um, she asks, so what are little boys made of? I raise my hand and I I say, uh, penises. <laughs> little boys have penises. So that's the comic relief, you know. That's me keeping it real and me with my vivid imagination, you know. And then perhaps you can cut to my mom and her commentary about that situation. When I picked up my son that day, they told me what he said in the classroom. Boy, oh boy, I was embarrassed or I had no idea, you know, something like that. Whatever my mom would say about that. The point being, um, I was getting a good education that's the comic relief but through um the costumes and through everything that you see you're gonna get the you're gonna get the 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 sense that I had this good upbringing I had a good education the found the, the, the start of a good education in a private school environment okay and then I could say something like and the biggest um challenge for me at that time in my life was um getting the the big tricycle on the on on the playground and then you can probably show how that plays out you know um one kid getting the big tricycle and being like hey i'm the coolest kid on the block you're nothing riding off and just feeling like geez man he got the he got the big bike and that that is exactly what happened that's exactly how it went down fast forward to the next you know few years um the narration will go something to the effect but then at some point my life changed cut to a scene where my father maybe is seated at a table with a dim light you know it's all silhouette it's not silhouette it's all black you know, like those um okay imagine Menace to society that scene where kane is being interrogated by the um by the cops and the cop is played by bill duke and there's like one light everything else is black you only see his face whatever all right that sort of scene my dad is sitting at the table and he's telling my young self and my sister um wait a minute i'm actually getting ahead of myself because I guess, I guess at that point, my dad would just have to say, all right, guys, there's going to be some changes coming in the future. That's all that he says, I suppose. And then the narration goes, and thereafter, my, and, and so began the interruption of my private school education. Up until that point, everything was going smoothly for me. This is narration. And then cut to. I'm getting prepared to go to school, to go to a new school. It's a it's a public school now. I'm combing my hair in the in the mirror in my bathroom and I'm crying because my whole world has been disrupted. I'm no longer going to be around my my friends and I have to adjust to a new environment. And on top of that, my sister is still going to that same private school. I'm not. So I'm crying. My mom is like trying to console me and my dad's like why is he crying and my mom's like well he doesn't want to go to uh, the new school and my dad's like well he's going there's nothing there's, there's no if ands or buts about it he's going you know that harshness and i'm just sitting there like what the fuck is happening man cut to i'm on the playground at my new school i've got my backpack on i'm walking you know to class or walking to my new through my new campus and kids are passing me and all i hear is man shut the fuck up man you're a bitch fuck you motherfucker all right this is my first time hearing curse words right i'm like so the narration goes something to the effect and now on my new journey um I was uh i i quickly had to acclimate to the new vernacular the new nomenclature the new um colloquialisms of my new environment fuck you motherfucker no fuck you bitch you man suck my dick i'll oh, make you know i like got the public school because i didn't hear that stuff when i was at um the private school not that the private schools didn't you know weren't you know ghetto all right. So I don't know how much time that would take um, to show, but that would be it. That would be the start of the movie. So I'm trying to say, you know. Um. So what happens after that? School was school, life was life. The years passed, and. I guess the, the real story is I went back to the private school. So, what, three years later? Because I was there fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. I went back seventh and eighth. Okay, so now to to create continuity, we show my dad under that same light, okay, and then my sister and I sitting at a table, and my dad says, okay, things have changed. Now, son, you can go back to the private school and I'm sitting at the table like, yes, all right. And my sister, who's been at that private school all along, you know, she has her little, well, whatever, you know, sort of whatever um, look or, or how whatever. Nah, she's she's got to, my sister's definitely got to throw shade. She's got to be like, oh, he's coming back to the school, you know, whatever. So I'm just like, yes, all right. Like a Napoleon Dynamite nerdy little blurred. Yes, you know, it's a success for me. So I said, so the narration could be something like, um, so things started to look up for me uh, once I graduated from that element, from the public elementary school. However, I had forever changed. I had forever been changed. That's a very key point right there. I had forever been changed. Now, I don't know if I want to go into how I I was changed, but that's a, a very sweet part of the story because i guess yeah mrs clisby would definitely be a part of that story because like she was an influential black female teacher who taught me to have pride in my blackness and in my melanated self and she taught me about melanin she taught us about africa and she taught us about yeah all of that and that was that was very nurturing and very important because when i got to back to my private school there was none of that it was absent it was so absent that even when there were chapters in our book that focused on black history our teachers would skip those chapters and there was no mention of no discussion of you know black contributions and i just had a terrible time one of my classmates I guess he sensed what I was going through and maybe he talked with his father and his father was keen on who I was. His father was very, very aware. He I had never met his father, but his father was like, Okay, I think I know what the symptoms are. I know what the diagnosis is here. So I guess it was for my birthday, and a student of mine, classmate, gave me the autobiography of Malcolm X as a gift. The copy, I still have it to this day. And it was like, whoa, that was some powerful, powerful, that was a powerful gesture, that was a powerful everything. And that happened when I was at the private school because the experience was so different from what I was getting at the public school and oh yeah it just didn't compare it was and I was I was very much lacking that real nurturing that nurture that nurturing um knowledge of self knowledge of history of uh so much so much was was lacking all right all right so that's pretty much covers like my upbringing and then in order to get me to you know my my the real meat and bones of the story to pick up the Don Quixote aspects I guess it's gonna be like in the next few years the narration will go in the next few years um I studied and you know experienced some successes and um my world hadn't really been um hadn't really shifted or changed much i had a persistent i I had the belief that um opportunity simply awaited me or you know jobs and experiences simply awaited me and it was just a matter of completing my education before i would be free to mold and shape my own life but When I became an adult, I found it more difficult than ever to do what I thought was the simplest of things, which is find a job, earn a living, and grow a family. Yeah. And so, the life of Don Quixote within me grew out of the adventures that I discovered I had to take in order to discover my American dream. So that would be part of the narration, all of that that I just um, stated, and then cut to again, continue narration. In 2007, I left America in search of job, in search of a job. In search of and this is kind of a karate kid story remember um Taraji P Henson and uh, Jaden Smith they had to leave America they had to go to China to find some semblance of a, of a life worth living because there were no opportunities in America that's my story so I had to go to South Korea so I picked up and I moved to Korea There are so many details about why korea that i can't really you know get into so just have to gloss over this like a lot of details will be missed you know just by telling the story but that should cover my formal education until yeah well no all of my education by formal is it formal or former I think it's formal education because formal education i think is like 13 years 12 or 13 years like 12 years plus kindergarten but then it also includes higher education for well in my case not four years but seven years of of university so we're just going to gloss over all of that stuff and then get to you know i had to move to korea in order to realize my american dream I guess that's how you tell the story, with some narration and then some um, some visual aspects to go with it, some visual aspects to boot, alright? So I gotta figure out the next adventures and, and keep with the Don Quixote theme and explain it, so here we go. You're at 109 right now. Pero, don Quixote, noble caballero y fiel compañero, vuestra merced está loco? ¿Por qué no dejamos con estas tonterías? ¿Por qué no volvemos a casa? Yo quiero comer y quiero dormir en mi cama. Sancho, mira, ¿tú ves lo que veo yo? ¡Ay, ¡Vuestra merced! ¡No! ¡Yo no veo nada! ¡No ves aquellos gigantes que vienen hacia nosotros! ¡Nos van a atacar! ¡Don Quijote! ¡No son gigantes! ¡Son simples molinos de viento! ¡Don Quijote! ¡Don Quijote! ¿A dónde va vuestra merced? I just did my best at reading these, uh, these images, these captions, not caption these cartoons of Don Quixote. Let me get back into my story, but I guess I have to just skip from my formal education to living in Korea. A lot of time passed, but the point is the Don Quixote adventure begins with Korea. And so, our protagonist finds himself in Korea. This is not narration, this is just the story. Whereby, peculiarly, incidents would occur that made him wonder about the circumstances. Hey, and then the scene is, our protagonist meets the first person his first friend in korea hey how's it going there hey nice to meet you where are you from oh i'm from new zealand oh wow very cool where's that <laughs> it's near australia you never you, you never found us on the map sorry man I, i'm not too good at geography oh that's no problem yeah it's near australia oh that's cool man how old are you oh i'm 27 hey me too man when's your birthday Ah. Oh. 9th. October 9th. You're at 109 right now. Oh man that's cool. Me too. I was born on the same day. What? No way. Oh. It's a pretty lame scene if you ask me. But I guess gotta figure out a way to put it in there. You know. Alright. So our protagonist continues to uh, live and work in Korea. Whereby he gains international experience but discovers that he's going to need to stay longer than just one year and so i guess we see we we see me we see we see um the portrayal of me in korea maybe looking at my bank account looking at life in korea and being like yeah i guess i i can do this again and then i guess there's um the years pass by. 2007, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and then 16. So all of those years pass by. And we see that happen in a, in a matter of seconds as the, the years go by. And then finally, I'm like, well... I've got a new adventure ahead of me. So along with, the, along with the theme of adventure, you know, I guess there's another adventure ahead of me. You know, I guess the, the narration would be... I thought my adventure would begin in Korea, but because I didn't have enough money, um, I could not explore the world like I imagined I would with a new job in a new country a higher salary and a central centrally located whereby i could reach europe asia and africa rather cheaply i would be in a greater position to live out these adventures that had f- that i forewent over the past decade. So all of that would be narration basically. Pretty good narration I think. So cut to I'm flying to Saudi Arabia to begin a new job and then life in Saudi Arabia. So well I got to go back because I only introduced 109 you know, when meeting my first friend in Korea, but I didn't, we didn't even, yeah, I have to go back and probably there would be interaction with me and my, my new friend in Korea around the time of our first birthday, where we're like, hey man, our birthday's coming out. What are we gonna do? We gotta celebrate, oh, it's gonna be great. And then we tell our friends and they're like, oh, your birthday is on October 9th? It's like, oh, well, that's a holiday. We won't be celebrating your birthday. We're going to be celebrating our national holiday for our language. So there's kind of a little conflict there. But it's a point of like, whoa, our birthday lands on a national holiday? Interesting. So that's another point to bring to light, you know, when, when I'm in Korea. That's why I'm going back from Saudi Arabia back to Korea. But then there's also things like well you're in Korea and um you started noticing that you would check your watch at ten oh nine a m or that you would wake up at that hour and because but it's also because your ID card has your birthday on it like the first six, two, four, six. Or eight, six or eight numbers, the first six or eight numbers of your ID card in Korea consist of your birthday, your month, month, day, day, year, 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 year. I think that's how it goes. So I would often see 1009 on my identification card and you need ID card everywhere in Korea. So it's always 1009, 1009. And although it's always 1,009, even when I'm looking at a watch and I'm like, oh, look, I'm looking at the clock at 10.09 at a.m. or p.m., I'm still looking at October 9th, 10.09. So that kind of has to be explained. So anyway, there's there's a lot in, in Korea that needs to build upon 10.09 um, and um and even going to Japan from Korea, that has to bring into it, these are details that would have to be um, introduced. Like when I first went to on um, Japan Tokyo and I saw 10 9 in Shibuya and I did not know that wherever I saw the word Tokyu, that was a reference to Ten Nine. So okay. So that would have to be introduced before Saudi Arabia. All right. So anyway, but it, it it would also have to be introduced subtly. I guess I would just have to just say, um, over the time that I spent living in South Korea, um, I would often travel to Japan, where, um, yeah, I got a respite. I I rested from from Korean culture and all things Korean and I got a different and I could at least say that I did travel over the decade that I was in Korea but I didn't travel as as extensively as I had hoped or wished but all of that would eventually change in Saudi Arabia okay so we have to fill in all of those little gaps alright so now we're in Saudi Arabia the story continues in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia I'm showing I guess I'm, the continuity would be I'm looking at my my paychecks in South Korea and then I'm looking at my paychecks in Saudi Arabia and so so that's how you connect the two but because I'm in Saudi Arabia and because I'm earning more money that's when things have changed for me so in Korea I'm looking at it like damn I don't have it, I'm in Saudi Arabia, I'm like damn, I've got it, let's go, let's do it, let's travel, right, alright, so now I'm in Saudi Arabia, and I'm like, the narration would be, now that I was in Saudi Arabia, um, I certainly wasn't planning on staying there, it's not as hospitable, or it's not the kind of place that you want to hang out, it's not the kind of country you want to hang out in, and so during my vacation time whenever that arose i was on my way out of the country and then there could be a scene at work all right guys you know we have a three-day weekend coming up so um or maybe a four-day weekend because it was you know saturday sunday but monday yeah i guess it was a three-day weekend yeah we've got a three-day weekend coming up so you know guys have any plans You know, maybe some guys, oh, yeah, we're going to skip out, head to Bahrain. That's just the country next door. And then I quietly am devising a plan to fly to Turkey. And I watch videos on YouTube. So this is all being shown. I'm watching a a 24, 48 hour um, video about uh, Turkey. So the weekend begins and I'm like, man, I could do Turkey in 24 or 48 hours And I've got 72 hours to kill. Yeah, I could do this. So I rush off to the airport. And I fly away to Turkey. And I have my first country adventure. And all of that can be just showed very quickly. Just, well, now I've got the money. Where am I off to? Hey, we got a three-day weekend coming up. All right. And now I'm off to the airport. I'm flying. I'm in Turkey. I'm looking around Wow, I'm there and back. And then so this whole scene is the whole scene begins with me looking at my paycheck Um, around the time I'm in. Let's say I'm in an office. I'm in a in a lunch room with my colleagues. I check my paycheck. Money is there. And someone announces, hey, did you know that we have a three day weekend? And some of my uh, colleagues are saying, oh, we're going to skip to the country next door. Across the border, and I'm looking at my phone like I'm going to Turkey. I don't know what these guys are talking about. And the narration could be now that I was in Saudi Arabia, I had more money and I had access to other countries, so I took advantage of that opportunity. That's all I have to say. And you see all of that, you know, take place around that narration. And you see me cut to, you know, me in Turkey and whatnot. And then I fly back to Saudi Arabia to begin work. And I see those same colleagues who I was in that lunchroom with talking about work. And they're like, wow, man, we had a pretty good weekend, eh? And they asked me, or they said, or or maybe they just said that, hey, it was a pretty good weekend, man. Nice. It's nice to have a, a nice break sometimes, right? And I don't even tell them where I've been. I'm just like, yeah, that's true. And I've got those memories of, you know, of, of traveling so far in such a short period of time. All right, so we got that little scene set up and moving on. And then um, I guess I continued by saying um, there were there was more travel ahead of me. There was more travel to come. And then I guess there's a montage of me in Ethiopia, Qatar, Bahrain, the UAE, You know. And. I guess I would say. But. The greatest. One of the greatest benefits of being in. um, In Korea. Not Korea. But in Saudi Arabia was the vacation time. Around Ramadan. Which is. um, When the big trips occurred. Sure I could take weekend trips. Short weekend trips. And then I would show that. But then I would say. But it was during the longer breaks that I would travel farther. And then that's when I would show, I guess, the map and show I'm leaving from Saudi Arabia flying back to Los Angeles, then to Mexico, then to Cuba, back to Mexico, then to Panama, from Panama to Peru, and then back to Saudi Arabia to show the extent of my travels during a six-week period. Like, man, that was big and i guess i'd have to tell the story about you know encountering 109 along that journey so as i'm showing the map like i'd have to show the picture of the the taxi i don't know how i'm going to tell i mean that's a lot of travel and i do have those moments like all right outside of Frida Kahlo's blue house check the the radio on the uber driver's um stereo and it's 100.9 on the on the fm dial or what have you and then that's in mexico and then i'm in cuba and i grab a book by ernesto che guevara and i'm reading the motorcycle diaries and i'm like hey look whoa he died on october 9th there it is again and then i'm in peru hiking up machu picchu and then i check my watch And for the sake of the movie, I check my watch at 10.09 and I'm like, whoa. So we continue with those 10.09 moments or those 10.09 moments, you know, around the globe. And then we get back to, we pick up the story back in Saudi Arabia. And I say um, something to the effect, finally with money in my pocket, and yeah finally with money in my pocket i discovered that i could travel to far off lands although and and just like my just like uh my english teacher once said no matter where you go there you are no matter where i went there i still found 10-9 i remember even returning to saudi arabia from my travels when I exited the airport and the taxi that pulled up to pick me, to take me away, had the license plate, 10-9, something, something, something. So you show that. You show that scene. So we're still staying right in pocket. We're still talking about 10-9. We're showing it. Um, Yeah. And then we have to get into Don Quixote. Got to get back to Don Quixote. Like this imagination. Well, the imagination comes later. Because it is the It is the The telling It is the interpretation Of the events That requires the imagination That Like Don Quixote um, You know Don Quixote used Right So it requires the use Of that imagination So that's what we have to You know Show and, and And call forth So But All of these adventures And traveling Yeah that's, that's sort of the Don Quixote part the adventure part but it's really the imagination the imagining of something that may or may not be there that will help tell the story alright and yes then once we finally get to Oman which is the next country then that's going to call into call into the story uh, Dr. Saad you know as the Pancho Sancha, Sancho Sancho Pancha character and and I guess the parallel with Don Quixote will continue from that point. All right. So we've so I've taken you from my formal education, establishing somewhat establishing my character, giving I, I guess the exposition, the the challenge of finding my American dream and discovering that I would have to leave America to discover my American dream. That's the exposition. And then um, the unfolding of these events whereby like my teacher always said no matter where you go there you are there i am Con- there there i was continuing to encounter ten nine a- along my journey you're with me all right so i'm gonna stop here and we're gonna move into the final what is it the denouement the the re- resolution like what the but there is no conflict really so how could this even be an interesting story without any real conflict maybe when i get let's try to introduce a denouement the resolution and then see if we if that doesn't give us or lead us to clearly specify what the the conflict is isn't this weird how i mean i have no idea where the hell i'm going with any of this stuff i'm just just thinking of it you know All right, I'm going to go get some food, and then I'm going to come back to the story. The Don Quixote Crenshaw Slosson version. Yep. And we're back. You're at 109 right now. So... The Saudi Arabia experience is um, punctuated by travel. 17 countries in 2017. So I guess there's going to be. All right, from Korea. While I'm in Korea, we're going backwards now. In Korea, to show the passage of time, there will be a montage and there will be the years will be flashing on the screen, right? 20 2007 2008 9 10 11, all the way 2016. Same thing will happen in um Saudi Arabia, I suppose. But this time it will be um flashing the countries that I've traveled to. I guess maybe the names of the countries will flash, not the not the years, but the the countries, Turkey. Ethiopia, Qatar, UAE, Bahrain, Cuba, Mexico, Peru. Okay. And then 2018, which is, uh, yeah, that's still in Saudi. I'm still in Saudi Arabia by that time. So there's more travel. Now it's Europe. So it's it's Germany, Spain, France, Switzerland, Portugal, Morocco, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Ethiopia again, but I guess I've already been to Ethiopia, I already established that I went to Ethiopia, so we're just not gonna mention it again. And then Tanzania, um, yeah, oh, Sri Lanka. And then we pick up the story in Costa Rica, and this is where we tell a little bit more of the story. Okay, so at some point I I left Saudi Arabia, but I guess I don't. I'm not gonna tell that part, or maybe I need to. I don't know, because I can't just thrust people upon. Can't just, you know, cut to a scene in Costa Rica. I've got to explain to them, well, Saudi Arabia, yeah, I definitely have to explain to them, well, Saudi Arabia's been good, I traveled to so many countries while I lived in Saudi Arabia, this is the narration, by the way, traveled to so many countries while I was in Saudi Arabia, it was, it was excellent, and now it's I'm on to uh, the next chapter of my life, and what that entails, I don't know, but I'm ready for the challenge. But the lesson is, my American dream has, I've, I've found my American dream abroad, outside of America. I've, I've lived a very fulfilled life away from America. That's the story, right? So, so that's the story. So I'm leaving, so I have to wrap up the Saudi Arabia tour. I'm like, okay, I'm out of Saudi Arabia. I'm leaving. I'm done. This is over with. Let's move on. Cut to... um, I guess that narration has to include... I searched for... This is the narration. I searched for a new place to inhabit for my next chapter. I had returned to America enough times to know that... I could not survive in America and all of my successful, you know, living arrangements were internationally from South Korea to Saudi Arabia. Um, I was now interested in setting my sights on um, saving my money, living meagerly in a country other than America. I found an opportunity in Costa Rica whereby I could live and work. Basically, for f- I could live for free and work if I worked four hours a day, you know, in the jungles of Costa Rica. And I agreed to this and so that I did it. So I flew to Costa Rica. Maybe I could show that experience thought I would last well I I didn't know how long I would last and it was just a matter of it was an indefinite um, you know hiatus sabbatical it was an indefinite um, period of time and I was just trying to survive on as little as possible and I lasted for three weeks in the jungles of Costa Rica that's the narration from there I decided to leave From there to travel to uh, Colombia via Panama. So this is the story and this is what happened. Maybe I could show show myself traveling on a bus. Filming the travel, the journey on the bus. And then I reach Colombia. Maybe I'll show Panama. Maybe I'll show Colombia. I mean, I'm definitely going to show Colombia, right? I got to show Colombia. But... We're staying within staying in pocket, staying with the theme of ten nine. And in Costa Rica, I don't have a ten nine story to tell. Um, Panama, I don't really have a ten nine story to tell. Um Colombia ten nine. Mm I can't recall a ten nine story. Wait a minute, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. In Colombia, I went to sleep at nine PM and then I woke up at 109 a.m. in Colombia. So there's that story. And then there's, um, there's the story about finding a job and deciding to move back to the Middle East. But instead of Saudi Arabia, going to the country of Oman. All right. And so that's the next step, the next chapter. I've got to go back. I need more money. And or like I don't want my coffers to be drained. So I want to get back and have some money want to save up some more money and have some more adventures. So this is when we go we go to Oman. And this is where the adventure of Don Quixote or, you know, this is where it really picks up. All right. So now I'm in Oman and now it really hits home. It's like, boom, I arrive in Oman. The first night I sleep at a hotel. The next day I go to sign my work contract. I'm in the desert. It's hot. There's a car parked out of the outside the the office as I approach the office I note I I notate oh look there's 109 right there but then I also have to talk about how I was feeling so I have to narrate and say here I was in another Middle Eastern country prepared to sign another work contract for God knows how long when as I'm approaching the door to sign the contract for the next chapter of my life I see those familiar numbers on the car parked outside of the headquarters. That's interesting. I notated it, but I didn't make so much of a I didn't make a, a great fuss about it when entering the headquarters. I just noted it and just let it let it go. Like, oh there's a number again. Okay, whatever. I signed my contracts, I got to working. Then um you know, time passes. I don't know if I want to get into all the details of living in Oman. But the point being, I'm in Oman. Money. Money is, you know, that's the biggest thing. Because you jump in a taxi and they're like, pay me $8 to get down the road. Like, what the fuck, bro? This is highway robbery, man. You guys, are, this is fucked up, man. You can't charge me this much. I just, I, All I need to do is get down the street. That's like a dollar. Like, give me eight bucks. Oh, this is bullshit, man! And then I have to do this daily, so I'm like already screwed up. Oman's got me fucked up on the on the real. I need a car. I need uh, a home, you know, because they basically wanted me to live in the hotel, which was across the street from my job, so I didn't need to walk anywhere. But when it came to getting food, like, how was that supposed to work out? Because I need to go to I need to go grocery shopping, and the grocery store is down the road. And these taxi drivers are like, pay me $8 to get you down the road. I'm like, man, this is some bullshit. Because you don't want to walk. It's dangerous. They don't have sidewalks out there in that city. Yes, in Oman, in the capital, yes, they do. But not where I was living. There were no sidewalks. And it was hella far. It's probably like five miles. Like, how the hell are you going to walk five miles to the store, get your stuff, and then carry five, carry your groceries five miles back? It's like, man, just bump that. I need car and then the 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 administrators at my new job could care less about me driving it's like just get the fuck out of here dude we don't care so what man just do what everyone else does just live across the street from your job all you have to do is walk across the street and by street i mean like full-on highway (laughs) it was probably like maybe maybe a four-lane maybe a two-lane highway it was more likely a two-lane highway might have been four but it was two lanes uh, that I recall yeah but it could have been dangerous man they're like just walk across the street there's food at the school so you can eat your lunch breakfast good luck with that yeah it was just it was just all bad because I needed independence and they weren't there to support an independent worker they were there to house a worker at a location close to the school and then tell them eat the food that we have for you and shut up and we pay and we'll pay you. And I was like, nah man, I need to do a little bit more than that. Cause you know I'm an adventurous spirit. Like for the I was there for like seven months. And within the first couple of weeks, I had already I think I rented a car. Now let's say within the first month or two I had rented a car And I drove the car to like this far off uh, fort, this ancient historic fort. And that was a big deal. You know, like some people that lived in there were like colleagues of mine who lived in this in the country for several years who had never been to that location. And I'm like, come on, people get with the program. Like, why are you here? You're just here to collect these checks you know and that's it like no life is about adventure you've got to go and see these things you got to absorb the culture and learn about the place where you are it's not a, just about these dollars these dollars mean nothing you know that was my thing so i'm searching for adventure in oman just like don quixote all right and then the adventure arrives so what happens is the story goes i'm working Work is just slightly rewarding. I'm getting my checks. The students are pretty are pretty chill. Um and then I go and what do I do? Then I get the news of Nipsey Hustle's murder in the desert. And then that's when the story really unfolds. I wake up that morning, I check my phone, and I'm like I guess the narration is, I woke up that morning, I woke up one morning to um, check my phone, which was the only way that I had uh, access to the internet and communication with um, my network of friends around the globe, and when I saw that Nipsey hustle's uh, picture was filled my um, Instagram feed, I began to wonder what the heck happened, and I finally got confirmation when I found the caption under uh, one of his pictures that read, prayers up for Nipsey. He was a really good dude and it really the realization that he had died um, settled in. So there I am in Oman and someone I had never met but someone I was familiar with um, you know has his death affected me so there I was some tears came to my eye and um, but I still had to get up to go to work so I jump up to get dressed now the the scene is it shows all of that it shows me scrolling you're getting a shot of me scrolling through instagram tears coming to my eyes discovering nipsey hustles murder and then i jump up and i jump in my i get dressed and everything for work it was a so it occurred on a sunday so i'm getting ready to go to work on a monday but the week work week started on sunday all right I'm already one day into the work week. That's a minor detail or maybe a major detail. I can't really determine that at this point. Just something to notate. So get dressed, get I leave, um I leave the uh yeah, I leave my apartment, my home. No, not an apartment, my home, all right. Like a three bedroom home, upstairs and downstairs, roof access, and I was living out of one room, but those are all details again who knows if those details are necessary or not whatever if i could retell it i can show that i lived in a beautiful you know home in oman you know like dang i had all of this to myself you know whatever that wouldn't be accurate but whatever one story that i could patch together would be maybe i jumped into the car and i was listening to dick Gregory. I was listening to Dick Gregory. I think Dick Gregory had already passed. So I think he passed in twenty seventeen. So it's twenty nineteen when I'm listening to his voice. I think, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm listening to Dick Gregory, the comedian, and I'm in the desert of all places. So after Nipsey's murder and so I get up and I get into the car. Now, I'm not sure if this happened on the same day or not, but I want to patch them together to make it seem like, man, some crazy things started happening, like some, you know, some Don Quixote imagined shit, but this was actually real, right? So here's what happened. So I get into the car, and I already have my, my, um, my, my cell phone, my iPhone is connected to the speakers in the car, turn the car on, and I'm about to pull off when dick gregory's voice on my phone on the recording says something about there are two animals that survive since prehistoric times when the dinosaurs were here the turtle and the butterfly and as soon as dick gregory says butterfly i peer out of my window and i see a lone butterfly a white butterfly fly by the car so this is all one scene where I got the news of Nipsey's murder. Once I woke up, I got dressed, jumped into the car. I turn on the car and listen to Dick Gregory's voice. And he says, butterfly. And I'm in the desert of all places. And I see a butterfly when he, when he says butterfly. And I'm like, that is bizarre, right? Crazy coincidence. Because you can look around and, and not see any... Bushes, anything to attract a butterfly, and you're in a desert of all places, like, where does a butterfly come from? And the moment that Dick Gregory says butterfly, you see a butterfly? That's crazy, bro. Okay? So all of that has to be in the same scene. But I'm driving. So one in one moment, I'm like, dumbfounded by what just occurred, the synchronicity of that moment. I, and I start to drive to work. And as I'm driving to work, I'm already overcome with the feelings of sadness about Nipsey right so I'm like dang how could some how could this young man die he was he had so much to live for he was so he was on the right path and doing so many great things so I'm already feeling sad there when a car cuts me off to like wake up fool the car cuts me off I'm in the middle of the desert there are no other cars on the road just my car and this other car and he cuts me off like what the fuck now I'm angry but I had the wherewithal to look at the license plate to be like, who the fuck is this person? Why would they? I see the license plate and I see. You're at 109 right now. 109 on the license plate. And now the imagination, the Don Quixote imagination strikes. And it's like, boom, a feeling of calmness washes over you. You're piecing things together. Like, wait a minute, 109. I've been seeing 109 throughout my travels, everywhere that I've been going. And now I see it on the day that I learned of Nipsey Hussle's murder, just a moment after a butterfly match with Dick Gregory's voice. And now it's like, God is speaking to you. Calm down. The universe is all in the correct order. You are exactly where you need to be, Larry. So calmness now washes over me. First it was sadness. Then it was like, confusion like how the hell do butterfly and butterfly match up and then i'm angry and then it's calmness god says or the voice of the universe god relax larry and i'm like whoa okay now i feel a lot different plus i'm understanding what 109 means it was like dude you were supposed to pay attention to that number 109 because it's a calling (coughs) see this is the imagination of don quixote playing itself out it's telling me larry Oh, it's telling me, Don Quixote, here's what you got to do. You got to understand what you're seeing. So this is Don Quixote. I understand it. I understand it better. Okay? And then I go to work and it was just another regular day. Right? But it was still weighing on my imagination. Like, what did you experience? How did these things happen? How did they play out? Whoa, 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 why? All of that. Right? This is not the day nouma. This is just, you know, more of the story continuing. So we got to get to part four. So let's get into uh, part four, which is seven days. No, no, no. Let's continue for seven. Then I'm in that moment where I'm like trying to understand everything that just happened to me. Watching videos. The conflict comes when I guess you introduce my um, you have to introduce my uh, my neighbor, Dr. Saad, who comes to my door. Because I've been watching these videos about Nipsey Hussle and trying to understand the story and I was talking to Herbert my former colleague who was in another country and we're trying to we're trying to solve the mystery of who killed Nipsey Hussle in Oman or we're just talking back and forth what do you think happened this happened he was this he was that and then I'm also trying to write a, a poem because I've been inspired like yo I gotta write a story and I gotta tell I I understand what Nipsey, you know, meant and I I see it from a different perspective because I'm not in America. If I were in America, maybe I wouldn't see it the way that I see it, but I understand and see it differently, especially because of my travels. It was my travels that really informed me. So there's another montage where all of this is happening, where all of this information is, is coalescing, it's synthesizing and i'm 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 understanding more this is the don quixote imagination you know playing itself out but then there's something that's so important is the fact that i was in ethiopia and i happened to happen to see 109 on that door in ethiopia because that was a huge clue or a huge piece of the puzzle that i really need at this point in the story to say hey to arrive at the conclusion that I'm arriving at if I didn't have Ethiopia to add to the story then it would yeah a large piece would be missing and I'd be like leaping to make the conclusion but no I saw that 109 when I saw it so that's a detail that I that I didn't mention but I I absolutely have to re-retell got to fix put that in so that's going back so I have to go back to that that 109 in Ethiopia is so important but I'm in Oman and everything is working on me and the montage I'm um, is, is playing itself out and uh, I'm writing I'm writing a poem I'm writing lyrics I'm trying to make it a rap I'm talking to Herbert and all of this is happening over the course of seven days and then seven days later that's when I see the the cross in the sky Right. So there, when I see the cross in the sky, Don Quixote, Crenshaw and Sloshan edition continues because now everything has solidified. I'm actually seeing something, right? Like Don Quixote, I see something, but now to me, it means something so much more. And then we introduce Pancho San. What is it? Sancho Pan, Panza? sancho panza who is dr Saad? so we i guess i already um introduced dr Saad because when i was on the on the computer and i was downloading and i was watching youtube videos and talking to herbert and trying to you know hash out all these details and then dr Saad's like larry you're using too much of the gigabytes too much of the internet you're using too much you're, we're sharing the wi-fi but you're using too much larry knocking on my door telling me and i'm just like okay okay whatever whatever so seven days later when i see the crucifix in the sky i no longer have access to the internet i suppose that's how the story is going to develop that's a conflict dr sa is like you use up all my damn internet find it on your own you're you know you're on your own, Larry. But luckily, after I saw what I saw, I went back to Dr. Saad. No, I wrote my book. I wrote the poem. I printed the poem in Sri Lanka. And like uh, a month later, I got that copy back and I shared the story with Dr. Saad. So I guess we I went next door to Dr. Saad, sat down with him. I said, man, I saw something that day, yada, 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 yada. Tell him the whole story, man. I have been seeing these numbers for all of this time and now... And that's when the Pancho, sancho panza oh larry and he's talking to me he's like yeah yeah you know that's good that's good but but he's also trying to just like sancho he's like don quixote no okay it says here don quixote says no ves aquellos gigantes que vienen hacia nosotros nos van a atacar. we're going to attack and then so i don't know um, we see there big coming these uh, coming for us or something. I, I I don't know exactly what that says here, the correct translation. But um, Sancho Panza says Don Quixote, no son gigantes, son simples simples molinos de viento. He says, what do you? I don't see these big monsters or whatever. These are just simple windmills. He says, Don Quixote, Don Quixote, a donde va. Vuestra merced. i don't know exactly what that means but he's like where are you going right so in that moment after i've seen the uh the cross the crucifix in the sky i'm talking to dr Sad, and he's like larry i was a air traffic controller and those lines were just created by airplanes but i'm my conviction and my my passion tells me no dr Sad, those weren't lines created by airplanes because airplanes don't even fly overhead and if you're telling me that on this particular day which was seven days after Nipsey Hussle's murder that those airplanes just happened to fly overhead in that particular formation so that they created two perpendicular lines in the sky that by any visible anyone in the area could have seen it and plus I I took a photo of it so I have photo evidence you're telling me that an air, that two airplanes flew overhead to form that on that particular day? And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, Dr. Saad, this is something bigger than just some lines created by airplanes. And the fact is airplanes don't fly overhead often enough to make those lines. And why would they, you know, all of that, all of that is baked into that. So just as Don Quixote says, no, I see something in those windmills. And Sancho Panza says, no, those are just windmills, right? That's my story. That's what that's what exactly happened to me. Alright. We're gonna keep it going for the last part. I guess it'll be the day no because all of that was just additional detail. So hold on tight, y'all. 109 right now all right so now we are still in oman is i guess it's now the day denouement so dr saad is convinced that or trying to convince me that these were lines created by airplanes they had nothing to do it was just a coincidence that they flew overhead that particular day to create that crucifix in the sky but I'm looking at it like it's a crucifix I saw it I took a picture of it it was seven days after Nipsey's murder Nipsey on the same day that Nipsey died I saw 109 I've been seeing 109 109 has been a sign for me to pay attention to these events because something was going to happen something was going to Make all of the 109 experiences clear to me. Nipsey's murder made it clear to me that I was supposed to pay attention to Nipsey. Then I'm questioning, like, well, why the hell Nipsey? Because I saw 109 in Ethiopia, then I'm able to say that Nipsey was a son of Ethiopian Eritrean, you know, Empire, the Oxumite Empire. I may be able to draw the con- draw the connection between Nipsey and Axum, right? Because I saw 109 in Ethiopia, so I, I just put that together. Don't get confused. Ethiopia and Eritrea are separate countries today, but back during Queen of Sheba, her time, it was the Axumite Empire that was all one land and one people, right? And so we got. So I've got the biblical connection from Nipsey back to the Bible. And then seven days after Nipsey's murder, I see a cross in the sky. So now the biblical part is very real. It's like confirmation coming in the form of a crucifix in the sky that you can't explain why it's even there. Only way that I can explain it's there is because Nipsey was the one. That's the only way. And with the biblical connections and all, it's like, yeah, what you're saying has evidence, support. It's not something that Don Quixote has imagined. No, this is real. And this is the message that needs to be shared with the rest of the world. Even if Sancho Panza, Dr. Saad, does not agree or does not support the idea. But but, but, but Dr. Saad is already of a different ideal of a a different faith so it's like you couldn't expect him to say yeah you're absolutely right it's just a matter of these ideals how they work together how they play together because the larger idea is that it doesn't matter if you're Christian Muslim Jewish or or whatever the faith is it's a matter of coalescing bringing together all of these faiths Under one ideal. One ideal of truth. One ideal of spirit. Right? So, that's the story. I think that's it. That's the Don Quixote of Crenshaw. The the Don Quixote Crenshaw's loss in addition. And so, the point then is... To show that this Don Quixote character... Saw or made a connection between 109, Nipsey, and a cross when he was in the desert. Because that calls back to the opening scenes established when you saw an image of Nipsey, a cross, and the numbers 109 right there on Crenshaw Boulevard, which is fact. It's real drive down the street, Crenshaw Boulevard, you will see Nipsey's mural across and 109 right next to each other. Like, boom, boom, boom. Like, yo, how does that happen? It's unbelievable that Nipsey's mural is even painted on a playground um, on, the, on the playground. That's a miracle in and, of, in and of itself. But then the fact that the mural is next to the cross which is next to 109. And that's exactly what Don Quixote experienced thousands of miles away. Don Quixote of Crenshaw's Lawson, by the way, that's exactly what he experienced. Those were the signs that told him what was real and what was true. And he has the evidence right in front of him right there. That, my friends, is the story of Don Quixote. The Crenshaw's Loss in addition. But then I have these other stories to add to it. Like, I came back to Los Angeles after Oman with the story of 109 with me. And... When I came back to Los Angeles, I had that moment where I was driving around the city. I pulled up next to a bus that clearly had the numbers 109 on it, and i thought here i go again seeing these numbers and then that same day i pulled up to another light later a few hours later when the hearse that nipsey hustle was carried in pulled up beside me same day that i saw 109 i i was right next to nipsey hustle's hearse 109 and nipsey Where was the cross? Well, we were at an intersection, maybe. The cross is the intersection. Maybe that's where it is. I don't know. Yeah. At the intersection, the car turned left and kept going. That happened. And then I have these other stories, like a few other stories. Well, 109, Nipsey, they all coalesce. They all come together. Um, And then, but I mean, for the most part, that's the story. That's, that's the story, that's my movie right there that's my screenplay now, let's go back where's the conflict? the conflict is the black man's trying to make a living trying to make his American dream come true in America, and he's challenged can't make that happen that's the that is the um what is it? exposition that's the conflict in the story. And then he travels so far away to make it happen. And, and then all of his... Nothing works out. Everything that happens to him, I think the, the idea then is... Everything that happens to him is more so fate and it's not so much that he has a plan for what is going to happen but it's more or less what happens to him that he accepts you know it's, life is is less about you know what is it what did they say life is is less it, it, life is more to do how we deal with change i was just watching a movie on hulu or netflix and they said that and i'm trying to figure out which was which show was it was it I think it was The, the Godfather of Harlem starring Forrest Whitaker that I was watching. And then the characters said something to that effect. Life is not about what you do, but more or less what happens to you and how you affect or how you deal with change. I think that's what it was or something like that. And that's largely what the story is about. It's about a man and change and how he deals with it. But yeah, it also has to do with Don Quixote. And then, if ever he feels optimistic about what happens to him, even though like a lot of shitty stuff happens to him, that's where the part of the story sort of resembles Candide. Because Candide by Voltaire is the story of... Uh, this is the, the best of all possible worlds. So no matter what shit happens to someone they doggedly hold on to the belief that this is the best of all possible worlds kind of like being in america when things are happening to you and your community but you're like but this is still the the greatest nation in the world and you just hold on to that belief kind of like that so that's the story that's my story and i'm sticking to it now that's the screenplay that's what it's all about that's how i tell the story that's the the foundation of my story and it needs to be turned into a movie so if you're listening and you want to turn this into a movie and you write the the screenplay you by all means do not have the rights (laughs) to the story Um, but if you listen to this maybe you're going to glean something from it and then steal my shit which all I can say is you're an ass for doing that an asshole Um, but yeah, hey, I want to see this turned into a movie. I would love for this story to resonate with millions of people around the globe, like Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist, something like that. That'd be cool. I don't know, but that's my story. There's a book to it. Go buy the book at www.ic109.store. Yep. I guess that's it. You're at 109 right now.